We're going to be learning in Chidusha Abinu Chaim HaLevi, the second piece in Hilchus Rotzeach. This is Parak Tes Halacha Yud Dalid. And the next three pieces, which will go till the end of Hilchus Rotzeach, are all going to deal with a similar theme, defining the believability of one witness in cases where one witness is believed. So ordinarily you need two witnesses in Halacha, but there are certain exceptions where one witness is believed. And Rab Chaim is going to define the nature of how one witness operates. And these are ideas that Rab Chaim already touched on in the last piece in Halchus Gerushin. So he's going to touch on these ideas again in the next three pieces. Now, the context for this discussion is Egla Arufa, which is a case where someone is killed, but nobody knows who the murderer is. So if we can identify the murderer with two witnesses, then they would get punished. But in this case, nobody knows who the murderer is. So instead you do the Egla Arufa, which is a whole procedure breaking a calf where the person was killed. Now, the halacha is that if even one witness knows who the murderer is, then you no longer do the Egla Rufa. Even though one witness is not enough to punish the murderer, but it is enough to prevent the Egla Rufa ritual. So that's the context for Rab Chaim's discussion. The Rambam writes, So one witness came and said he knows who the murderer is, and then two witnesses came and disagreed with him, and the two witnesses said to the first witness, you didn't see the murderer. So, the Rambam rules that in this case, it's like there's two groups of witnesses who contradict each other. Because since the first witness was believed, even though he's only one witness, but now he has the status of two witnesses who said that they saw the murderer. And now there's two witnesses who disagreed with him. So it's like two against two. So since they cancel each other out, they do the Egla Arufa. Now the source for this halacha is in the Gemara if one witness said, I saw the murderer, and two witnesses disagreed, they said, you didn't see it, so they would do the Egla Rufa. So this halacha of the Rambam is explicit in the Gemara. But Rab Chaim points out that the Rambam's theoretical explanation of this halacha is difficult. Because we would have explained the reason for the halacha is that since the two witnesses contradict the first witness, they totally negate his testimony. They're able to override the one witness because now we have a much more powerful testimony of two witnesses. So since the first witness's testimony is totally nullified, that's why they do the Egla Rufa because it's like there's no witness who said that he saw the murder. And in fact, that is how the Gemara in Yevamos Kuf explains this, that when there's one witness going against two witnesses, the one witness's testimony has no status against the two witnesses. But that's not what the Rambam says. The Rambam Rambam says that they're considered conflicting testimonies, that the first witness does have a status of two witnesses, and the later two witnesses contradict him, so we consider it like two against two, and they cancel each other out, so that's why we do Egla Rufa. So the Rambam seems to be saying that there is a status to the first witness, even though he's contradicted by the two witnesses, he's still considered a standing testimony, it's just that the two testimonies contradict Predict and cancel each other out. And in the parentheses, Rab Chaim adds that Tosos and Yevamos says a similar thing. So the question is, why is the Rambam formulating it this way? Why doesn't the Rambam just say much more simply, like the Gemara and Yevamos, that the two witnesses cancel the one witness totally? Why does he say that the one witness has an equal status to the two witnesses and they each cancel each other out? 
So Rab Chaim says that you could force this into the Rambam's language. What he means is that the two groups of witnesses cancel each other out, meaning the testimony of the first witness is not believed against the two witnesses. So you could force that in, but as Rab Chaim himself says, that's definitely a force because that's not what the Rambam seems to say on the surface. He seems to indicate that the one witness does cancel the two witnesses the same way they cancel him. So the question is, why does the Rambam set up the framework that way. So Rab Chaim explains based on an understanding of how the Rambam understands the status of this Eid Echad. Now there are three areas in Halacha where one witness is believed. One is Eidus Isha to say that a man died and his wife can remarry. The second is for Sota to testify that a woman did have an affair and she can't drink the Sota waters. And the third is Egla Rufa to say that he knows the murderer so they don't do Egla Rufa. Now in each of those three cases, the Rambam writes that the Eid Echad has the status of two Eidim. So in Hilchus Gerushin, the Rambam says, echad neman isha eidim eiduyos. One witness is believed that a husband died like two witnesses in other testimonies. In Hilchus Sota, the Rambam says, Eid echad sota One witness for Sota is like two. And in these halachas, Hilchus Rotseach, he says, amar echad If one witness testifies that he knows the murderer, so he's believed like two people. So the Rambam in each of those cases says that when we believe one witness, we believe them with the status of two, which is different from the case of Isurin, where we also believe one witness, Eid Echad Neman Bi Isurin. So when it comes to questions like whether something is kosher or similar related issues, even one witness is believed. You don't need two witnesses. Now, these three cases are exceptions because they have to do with either erva, things that have to do with marriage laws, or issues of the court, So those two cases generally need two witnesses except for these three exceptions. So the Rambam is differentiating that these three exceptions, since ordinarily they require two witnesses, and these are exceptions where one witness is believed, the one witness has the status of two witnesses. As opposed to Isurin, where the one witness does not have the status of two witnesses, he has a status of one witness, but the one witness is believed. So there's a major difference between these three exceptions versus Isurin. When it comes to Isurin, the rule is that we believe one witness as one witness. As opposed to these cases, we believe one witness because we give them the status of two witnesses. Now, this is also the view of the Ritva, quoted by the Muke Yosef in Yevamos. He quotes that the Ri said, only in these three exceptional cases do we give the one witness the status of two witnesses. So if another one witness then comes and contradicts him, we don't believe the second one witness because the first witness has the status of two witnesses. As opposed to cases of Isurin where the first witness is believed not as two witnesses, but because one witness is believed, so now if another one witness comes and contradicts him, so that would be conflicting testimony because it's one witness against one witness. So this is the same idea of the Rambam that only in these three exceptional cases the one witness gets elevated to to the status of two, not when it comes to Isurin, where the one witness is believed, but he remains with the status of one witness. 
But there is a key difference between the way the Ritva presents this versus the Rambam. The Ritva explains that the reason in these three exceptional cases, the one witness has the status of two witnesses, is because Ba'inan Shnayim. The real halacha is that we require two witnesses in these cases. So if Chazal are going to allow one witness's testimony, it has to be that they elevated it to be like two witnesses. In other words, they can't change the rules and say that you don't need two witnesses, but they could say that in these cases, the one witness gets the status of two witnesses. And that explains why when it comes to Isurin, the one witness is not like two witnesses, because there you don't need two witnesses to begin with. So we believe the one witness as one witness. So that's how the Ritva presents this, and it makes a lot of sense. But that is not going to work in the Rambam, because the Rambam in this Halacha continues, and he qualifies that the only time we say the one witness is like two witnesses, witnesses is if that witness is essentially a kosher witness to begin with. So it's an adult Jewish man. But if it would be a slave or a woman, someone who's not ordinarily believed as a witness, so even though in these cases they are believed, so the halacha is that for Egla Rufa and these other exceptional cases, one witness, even a non-kosher witness, like an Isha or an Eved, is also believed. But according to the Rambam, they don't have the status of two witnesses. They're believed believed, but they're believed as one witness. Now, the Ravid already questions this, and he says, why should that be? If they're believed, they should also have the same elevated status. But in the Rambam, he differentiates between a kosher witness versus a non-kosher witness. So even though we're dealing with one witness who's anyways not believed, and these exceptional cases, they changed to say that anyone is believed, even a non-kosher witness, still the Rambam says only a kosher witness is believed like two, not a non-kosher witness. So that obviously doesn't fit into the Ritva's framework because according to the Rambam, we can't say that since we believe this person here, they must be believed as two. The Rambam has cases where we do believe them, but not as two witnesses. We believe in Isha or an Eved, but as one witness. So we see that according to the Rambam, it is possible in these cases to believe one witness, even though we only believe them with the status of one witness. So we have an important conceptual debate between the Ritva and the Rambam, how to understand these three exceptional cases where one witness is believed. According to the Ritva, the theory is the Torah required two witnesses in these types of cases, but it also gave three exceptions, either from the Torah or Chazal, but in these three cases, one witness is believed. Now, the only way that's going to work is if we can somehow get the one witness to be believed as two witnesses. So in these cases, the Torah said one one witness is believed with the status of two witnesses, and that's how they're able to be believed. So that's why if one witness then comes and contradicts the original witness, we don't believe the second witness at all because it's like one witness coming against two witnesses. Once the Torah elevated the status of the first witness from one to two, now the Torah never elevated the status of the second one witness. So now, even though it's technically one witness against one witness, but according to Halacha, it's like two witnesses against one witness. So that's the view of the Ritva in the name of the Ri. Now the Rambam, on the other hand, understands that it works the other way. That in these three exceptional cases, the Torah suspended the requirement of two witnesses, and it said that even one witness would also be believed. So it's not that the one witness
witness is elevated to two, it goes the other way. Ordinarily, in these cases, you need two witnesses. But in these three exceptions, the Torah said even one witness is sufficient. So that's why, according to the Rambam, an Isha or an Eved can be believed even though they only have the believability of one witness because that's enough for these cases. So if so, says Rab Chaim, why, according to the Rambam, if another one witness then comes and disagrees with the first witness, why is the second one not believed at least to contradict the whole testimony of the first one? According to the Ritva, the first witness has the status of two witnesses. But according to the Rambam, they only have the status of one witness. So why do they automatically beat another one witness who comes and contradicts them? So Rab Chaim says that in fact, this dynamic makes perfect sense because the Torah believed one witness to say that the husband died or the woman had an affair or they know the murderer. It did not believe one witness to say the other way, that the husband didn't die or the woman didn't have an affair or they don't know the murderer. Those are not testimonies where the Torah said that one witness is believed. So in this case where we have one witness who testifies something the Torah believed him about and then the next witness comes around and testifies something about which he is not believed. So the first guy, of course, is going to be believed because he testified something about which he has the power to testify. The second guy testified something about which he has no power to testify. Those types of testimony require two witnesses and he's only one. So this explains very clearly why the first witness is believed against the second witness for a very simple reason. The first one testified about something that the Torah gave him the power to be believed. The second one testified about something about which he has no power to testify. So of course the first one's going to be believed. And Rab Chaim quotes the language of the Rambam, which just makes this point clear in Hilchus Edus chapter 5. There are two places where the Torah believed one witness. To prevent a sota from drinking the sota waters. And to prevent the Egla Rufa. Now those are the two that come from the Torah. The third case of saying that a woman's husband dies, that came from Chazal. But the Rambam is saying very clearly here that the only testimony the one witness is believed to say is that he knows the murderer or he knows the woman committed adultery. It's not that one witness is believed overall on the topic of Sota or Egla Rufa regardless of what he says. Only those specific testimonies are believed according to the Torah. But if the one witness says something else, even though it's about Egla Rufa or Sota, he has no believability. So this is a very simple explanation for why the first Eid Echad is believed against the second one. And Rab Chaim has further proof for this point because Ula holds that even if these two conflicting Eid Echads come at the same time, so there wasn't a first and then a second, they both came together. One guy says, I know the murderer, and the other guy says, no, you don't. Or I know the woman committed adultery, and the other guy says, no, you don't. And they say it at the same time. Still, the one that said he knows the murderer or that the woman had an affair are believed against the other one. Now here it's very clear that this is not a chronological issue. It's not because one of them came first because they both came at the same time. So the explanation for this must be based on what Rab Chaim just said because only one of them is believed by the Torah. The other one is saying something that they have no authority to say. So this again proves Rab Chaim's point that the Torah only believed specific testimonies regarding these three cases, not whatever an Eid Echad has to say. Now this this is such a strong and logical explanation for this halacha that Rab Chaim now turns around and even questions in the other 
direction. Why would anyone not say this explanation? There is an explanation in the Gemara that wherever the Torah believed one witness, he's like two. But what's the point of saying that when Rab Chaim just explained very clearly why the first Eid Echad is believed? It's not because he's like two. It's because he's believed by the Torah to say what he's saying. The second Eid Echad is not believed. So why do we even need to say an idea like we said in the Ritva that the first witness is believed like two in order to explain why the second witness can't contradict him? There's a much simpler explanation. The second witness is not saying anything that he has authority to say. So Rab Chaim explains there is a problem with his simple explanation. And that is even though the Torah did not believe one witness to say that the husband is still alive or that she didn't have an affair or that he doesn't know the murder but still he is one witness that testified to that. So there is the testimony of one witness, even though it's not believed, but it does exist, which contradicts the original witness. Now it's easier to contradict someone than to be believed. So even though the second witness does not meet the criteria to be believed, but he is able to contradict the testimony of the first one. Now, even though the Torah said to believe the first witness, but it doesn't say that he's more powerful than the second one witness. So now we're going to end up with conflicting testimonies, which is going to be a suffix, an uncertain case. So both of the testimonies are going to get canceled, but we're not going to believe the first witness against the second one witness, even though the Torah believed him. Because again, it's easier to contradict a testimony than it is to be believed. So even though the second one witness is saying something that he's not believed to say, but since one witness did testify to that effect, so it does exist, and since it conflicts with the first one witness. So now it's contradictory testimonies and neither of them is believed. And in fact, that's the view of Reb Chia in the Gemara in Sota Mem Zayin. He disagrees with the view of Ula that if the two one witnesses come at the same time, still the witness who testifies that he knows the murderer or the woman committed adultery are believed. Reb Chia disagrees with Ula on that point. And he says that in that case, neither of them is believed, even though the Torah believed one of the witnesses and not the other one. But again, when it comes to hachasha, to contradicting testimonies, so then any one witness is able to do that, even if they were not believed to be saying what they said. So that's exactly why the Torah had to introduce this new halacha, that wherever the Torah believed one witness, he's like two, because now that elevates the status of this one witness, so he is able to withstand the hachasha of the second Eid Echad. So that's the explanation for why the first Eid Echad is believed against the second Eid Echad because now the Torah not only believed him, but it elevated his testimony to the status of two witnesses. So two witnesses are able to withstand the conflicting testimony of another Eid Echad. And the debate between Reb Chia and Ula in the Gemara and Sota is about how to apply this principle. According to Ula, we apply this rule even if the two witnesses come at the same time. According to Reb Chia, we only apply it when they come at different times so then the first one is believed, not if they come at the same time. But either way, this is the basis for believing the Eid Echad against the other Eid Echad because the Torah elevated his testimony to the status of two.
two. Now, based on this, says Rab Chaim, we could answer the question on the Rambam, which again was, if the Rambam believes that in these three cases, the Eid Echad is only believed as one witness, so why is he believed even after another Eid Echad comes and contradicts his initial testimony? So says Rab Chaim, because according to the Rambam, there's like a two-step process here. First of all, the Torah said that one witness is believed to give certain testimonies. No other testimonies are believed from one witness. So that's why we believe this first Eid Echad. Now again, for the Rambam, it's not because he's like two witnesses. He's only like one witness. Then the Torah added in another step, which is that if another Eid Echad comes and contradicts the first Eid Echad, so the first one is still believed because the Torah gave him the power of two witnesses in order to block the hachasha of the second Eid Echad. So the only time we apply this idea that the first Eid Echad is like two witnesses is not to explain why he's believed initially, but to explain how he can withstand the hachasha of another Eid Echad. So now this explains beautifully why the Rambam says this whole dynamic only applies in these three exceptional cases, not in a regular case of Isurin. Because in the three cases, the second Eid Echad is not believed to say what he's saying. The only thing he could do is contradict the first Eid Echad. So there we say that the first Eid Echad has extra power and he's able to withstand the Hachasha. But in the regular cases of Isurin, so both Eid Echads are believed because that's the regular rule of Isurin that every Eid Echad is believed regardless of what he says. So it's not that the first one is believed, not the second one. They're both equally believed. So now it's not going to help you to say that the first one has the status of two witnesses. It won't make a difference because even so, the second one's testimony is believed. So now this is conflicting testimony. So we're not going to be able to follow either of them. So it doesn't make a difference if we apply that one witness is believed as two in the cases of Isurin because either way, it's not going to protect the first testimony from the second Eid Echad's hachasha. Even if we do believe the first Eid Echad like two witnesses, still there's a valid hachasha from a valid witness who is believed in the cases of Isurin, so it's going to be conflicting testimony. So this explains the Rambam's whole framework for these halachas. In the three exceptional cases, we only believe the first Eid Echad. The second Eid Echad has no believability, but he would have been able to do hachasha. So the Torah applies the rule that the first one is like two witnesses to protect the testimony from the hachasha. But in the cases of Isurin, the whole dynamic changes because both Eid Echads are believed. So even if the first Eid Echad is considered like two witnesses, it's not going to protect his testimony from hachasha because when the second Eid Echad comes around, he's also believed, even if it's only as one witness, but it's enough to be able to contradict the first testimony. So this is Rab Chaim's framework according to the Rambam. Now the upshot of this analysis is that according to the Rambam, the only time we apply this idea that one witness is believed like two is only when it's going to protect his testimony from the hachasha of another witness. But in cases where the second Eid Echad is anyways going to be believed, so in cases where the Torah believed in Eid Echad, so it doesn't matter if the first Eid Echad is like two, so we don't apply this whole concept. So now
Now, based on this, says Rab Chaim, we could answer the first question on the original Rambam, where one witness says, I know the murderer, and two witnesses contradict him. So the Rambam ruled that it's contradictory testimonies, and Rab Chaim asked, why doesn't the Rambam quote the formulation of the Gemara in Yevamos that the two witnesses negate the testimony of the Eid Echad? Says Rab Chaim, now we could answer this question based on what's called Eidus Miuchedes. So that means two witnesses give testimony, but not about the exact same thing. So one witness says he borrowed money, and then another witness comes and testifies about another time he borrowed money. So we combine those two witnesses together and consider them like two. So that works according to the Gemara in Sanhedrin Daf Lamid for most cases of testimony. The Gemara in Makos Vav says that it doesn't work when it comes to capital offenses, but in general for financial laws, that type of edus miucheres will work. So now Rab Chaim raises an interesting thought experiment. What happens if there's edus miucheres? So there's two witnesses who are each testifying about the same overall thing, but they each saw it differently. And then there's one witness who comes and contradicts one of them. So how do we evaluate this case? Is it like two against one? Or at the end of the day, is it really like one against one because the two witnesses didn't see it together, so they're each a standalone. So Rab Chaim believes that that's the case, that when you have Eidus Miucheres and one witness contradicts one of those earlier Eidim, that is a valid hachasha and it contradicts the earlier testimony. So the only time that Eidus Miucheres has the power of two witnesses is if they're not contradicted. But if they are contradicted, then they can't withstand that hachasha of the Eid Echad. So now Rab Chaim suggests very creatively that maybe that's why the Rambam changed the formulation of this halacha because he also wanted to include an unusual case where the two witnesses who come to contradict the Eid Echad and say you didn't see the murderer, that's Eidus Miucheres. So it's not two witnesses who saw together that he didn't see the murderer. There's two different people who each alone saw that the Eid Echad didn't see the murderer and they're trying to combine as Eidus Miucheres. So now this case is going to play out differently than the one in the Gemara in Yevamos, which is the usual case where two witnesses come and they say together that the first Eid Echad didn't see the murderer. So of course they're able to negate the Eid Echad's original testimony. But in the case where the second two witnesses are Eidus Miucheres, so they're not able to negate the first witness. The first witness is able to withstand their hachasha, but on the the other hand, we don't believe the first witness anymore because now there are two witnesses who are disagreeing with him. So the way this plays out, if we put all the principles Rab Chaim's discussed together, is that we believe the initial Eid Echad like two witnesses. So if either one of these second two Eidim had come alone, they would not have been able to contradict him. But since they're combining under the rule of Eidus Miucheres, so now they are believed because two witnesses are believed. So the only time the Eid Echad could withstand Hachasha is if the second group does not have believability because they're only one witness. But now that they're Eidus Miucheres, they do have independent believability in this case. So the first Eid's status as two witnesses is not going to be able to withstand the Hachasha of two valid witnesses. That's the principle Rab Chaim developed, that any time there's a valid Hachasha, the first Eid Echad's status is two witnesses doesn't help withstand the hachasha. So in this case, the hachasha is going to work. But again, the 
Hachasha is not able to totally nullify the first aid echad because this is edus miuchedes. So the first aid is able to contradict edus miuchedes, and his Hachasha is also able to stand. So that's why the Rambam describes this case as two contradictory testimonies, and neither of them is believed, so we do Egla Rufa. So that's why the Rambam changed the formulation, even though in an ordinary case, the second two witnesses would be totally believed, and they would negate the first eight echad. But the Rambam wanted to include in his halacha also the unusual case where the second two witnesses are edus miuchedes, and that's going to play out differently based on all the principles Rab Chaim's developed. And the outcome of that case would be that both sides are equal. The first eight echad has the status of two. The second two witnesses, though, are also believed. So there's an equal hachasha. They both contradict each other. So we don't believe either, and we do the egla rufa. So this is Rab Chaim's piece to explain the unusual language in the Rambam. It's an unusual approach that Rab Chaim takes, but it's based on his overall tendency to see the Rambam in the Mishnah Torah as adding in a lot of extra information, not just practical halacha, but all sorts of conceptual ideas. So here too, the Rambam is changing the formulation in order to add in this whole unusual situation and explain how the dynamic there would play out. Now the key conceptual idea Rab Chaim develops is this debate between the Rambam and the Ritva, why in the three exceptional cases one witness is believed. According to the Ritva, it's because the Torah or Chazal said that in those cases, the one witness is elevated to the status of two. So you always need two witnesses, but in those cases, one witness is believed like two, and that's why if another witness contradicts him, he's not believed. According to the Rambam, as Rab Chaim explains him, he has a more complicated model, which is that the Torah suspended the rules that you need two witnesses in those cases. So even one witness is believed, but they're only believed to give specific testimonies. If they say a different testimony, so then that one witness is not believed. But even though the witness is not believed for those testimonies, he is believed to contradict the first witness, if not that the Torah elevated the status of the first witness to like two, so he's able to withstand the hachasha of the second eight echad. So according to the Rambam, there's a two-step process, the first eight echad is believed because the Torah believed him. And if there's a hachasha, then the Torah said that he's like two to withstand the hachasha. Now, it's just worth noting that this is one of the very few pieces in Chidusha Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi, which is referenced explicitly in Chidusha Maron Riz HaLevi by Rab Chaim's son, Rab Velvel, the Briskarov. In his piece on Hilchus Gerushin, he comes across this dynamic that even if one aid is not believed, he is able to contradict and he references the he says, this is explained very nicely by my father in Chidusha Abinu Chaim Alevi, and look there.